Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. July 18, 2019, coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, Donald Trump lying again, disavows the send her back chant that took place last night at his rally in North Carolina. But why didn't he say a damn thing when it actually happened? I'm going to unpack this whole thing for you. A Pew Research study finds that more than half of Americans say that Donald Trump has made race relations, made race relations worst. But I thought they said Obama created the polarized America. We'll break it down with one of the research associates at Pew. The fifth anniversary of Eric Garner's death was yesterday. We'll talk with his mother, uh, Gwen Carr, today on Roland Martin Unfiltered. And social media has been on the fire. A student at Morehouse College alleges that a university employee has sexually assaulted him. Other young black men say them too. Whoa, Morehouse having a Me Too problem? Democratic lawmakers proposed cutting health care centers for the poor. What the hell is going on? And yes, remember that YouTube guy who called cops on a black man after July 4th? Oh, yeah. 
is a part of our crazy ass white people segment. Folks, it's time to bring the funk on Roller Mark Unfiltered. Let's go. Trump, being the man who black people always knew who he was, that's why I used the hashtag, we tried to tell you. We're going to talk in a moment about this whole issue last night at his rally in North Carolina and how he's trying to say, oh, no, my goodness, I disavow what they actually said. But, folks, check this out. A Pew Research study uh, really says how Americans feel about race relations in the country. And that is when it comes to Donald Trump, very negative. Six in ten Americans, that's almost 60 percent, say race relations in the U.S. are bad, and of those, they few see improving. Some 56% think Donald Trump has made race relations worse. Just 15% says he has improved race relations. And another 13% say he has tried but failed to make progress on this issue. Roughly two-thirds say it's become more common for people to express racist views since Donald Trump became president. Joining us right now is research associate with Pew, who headed the study, Dr. Kiana Cox. Doc, how you doing? Hi, thank you for having me, Roland. All right, so let's unpack this. First okay. of all, a lot of black people always say, I ain't never got called, so I don't trust these surveys. I've gotten called a number of times. So can you speak to that first of all? How did you actually conduct the, uh, this uh, study? Sure. So at the Pew Research Center, we have something known as our American Trends Panel. And we work really hard at the center to make sure that we recruit a nationally representative panel that we actually um, maintain and keep in contact with. And for example, if you're somebody who doesn't have the internet, a lot of our polling is online. We'll provide you with internet and a tablet. And so we really work hard to make sure that we can get a nationally representative sample along with making sure that people actually have access to be able to take our surveys. So these are rigorous methods, a nationally representative sample that we keep in constant contact with, and a panel that we actually maintain. All right, so let's unpack in terms of what this study uh, revealed in terms of how folks feel. Uh, was there a difference between when Obama was president and Trump becomes president? Absolutely. So what we see in our studies, and both of these questions were asked at the beginning of 2019. Mm -hmm. So just for some contrast, this isn't old versus new data, right? right? So what we see now is that about, as you mentioned earlier, about 60% of Americans say that since his election, Donald Trump has made race relations worse. Um, and uh, as compared to um, Barack Obama, where only 25% of Americans said that Don that Obama made race relations so worse. So 56% yes. say Donald Trump has made it worse versus 25% who say Obama has made it worse. Yes, and these were both studies conducted at the beginning of 2019. Do you break down Democrat, Republican, or is it just Americans 
And if so, yeah. how does that break down? We break down. So one of the things that we found across this study is that, in general, African Americans tend to stand out as saying, as in terms of broad majority, saying that Donald Trump has said um, things that have has made race worse. And also, a majority of whites say this, too. But what's interesting is that when whites are Democrats and when they have bachelor's degrees, their views tend to align even more with blacks. So we could, so I, for lack of a better phrase, okay. smarter white folks versus the white folks with, no, with just a high school diploma. Whites with bachelor's degrees. Smarter white people. Uh, <laughs> so that's just my, my, that's how I break the that's data down. That's how I break the data down. Uh, because, and, and that's important because when you look at who Donald Trump is really speaking to, he's speaking to that non-college audience. And when we talk about those numbers, what does it look like? I mean, you know, how stark is it? So, for example, generally when we look at sort of partisan splits, especially among whites, when it comes to a lot, a lot of these racial attitudes, speaking broadly, we tend to see a 60-40 split. So around 60% of white Democrats will lean more towards the patterns that we see for African Americans, whereas 40% or, uh, or less um, of white Republicans would lean towards the opposite opinion. Now, again, that's a broad swath of these for certain um, for certain areas, those percentages are actually even more stark when we look at different areas. Um, what about Latinos? Latinos are interesting because when it comes to issues of racial discrimination, Latinos fall more in line with African Americans. But if you ask Latinos, for example, has being Latino helped or hurt your ability to get ahead in the United States, 44% of them will say neither one. Being Latino hasn't helped or hurt me. But the other difference so. that people also don't understand is you have white Hispanics and non-white Hispanics. Right, right. And so it's interesting. In our surveys, we allow people to self-identify right. in terms of race. And so if Hispanics are um, also identify as white, they will, um, they'll still be counted in our survey as Hispanic. So we haven't been able just yet to unpack sort of white versus black Hispanic. Hispanic. Uh, it's very interesting again, when you look at uh, the data in terms of uh, this. Trump loves talking about polls. This is one he never wants to talk about. Uh, and are there any specific things that have happened that people have said, this is why I feel that way, Charlottesville or anything else? Well, we didn't specifically ask about particular events, but sort of the touchstone that we asked about was since Donald Trump has been elected, what are these things? So we mentioned earlier, since he's been elected, a majority of Americans feel that um, race relations have gotten worse. Since he's been elected, a majority of Americans also feel that it's more acceptable to say racist things openly and publicly. And then a little less than half Americans all of Americans also say that it's more common to say these things. So we didn't ask about specific events like Charlottesville right. or any of the Black Lives Matter protests, et cetera, but we did sort of peg this from the beginning of his election up until the point that they took the survey, and that's what they were assessed. Dr. Greg Carr, Chair, Department of Af Afro-American Studies, Howard University. You got a question? Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations, Dr. Cox. Thank this you. Great report. Um, you know, something I read near the end, and we'll be using this in, certainly in the fall when school starts again, mm -hmm. this question of people identifying with their race. Uh -huh. One uh -huh. of the subtexts in, this, in, this, in, in, in your study really drew... It really emphasized the invisibility of whiteness, how yeah. white folks really don't see how their race, they see how their race plays. But when they identified, very few, it seemed to me, I would have expected, very few white people said, you know, I identify strongly as white. How, how do you read that? When you 
I think, well, what we have, so there are shares of, so one of the things that's really interesting when we ask about racial identity importance Mm -hmm. in our data is that across the board, a lot of our measures strengthen when we take into account racial identity, even for whites. So even if there's a smaller share of whites than comparatively blacks or Hispanics, Mm -hmm. once you take into account racial identity, for whites, we see sort of ideas about discrimination strengthen, ideas about sort of the state of the country strengthen. So though racial identity, education, and partisanship or party, all of those things tend to play into sort of disparities among whites. So um, it's interesting because last week we, I did a piece on linked fate, which was the extent to which people feel as if, I feel like you heard that term before, Yes. <laughs> which is the extent to which people feel as if what happens to other races will impact their lives. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we see in that study, again, is that when you have whites who have bachelor's degrees and who are Democrats, their linked fate or the extent to which they feel like mm-hmm. people of color, what happens to them will impact them increases. Interesting. Right. Wow. Kiana Cox. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks, let's talk about last night where you pretty much had a Klan rally taking place in North Carolina. (laughs) Donald Trump, uh, the rally was supposed to be on the same night Robert Mueller was going to testify before Congress. That was delayed a week, but it still continued. This is what took place last night in North Carolina when Trump spoke. And obviously, and... Importantly, Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. Oh, that led to a vicious backlash by media, by Democrats, even Republicans today. There was a meeting today between Republicans uh, in Congress and Vice President Mike Pence. They made it clear that that was not good for the Republican Party. According to the Wall Street Journal, Ivanka, I don't really believe she did it, but the (laughs) Wall Street Journal said Ivanka went to the Oval Office and said she was not pleased with what took place last night. So what do you think happened? Here's Donald Trump from the Oval Office today when the media got called in. Yes. Hey, Mr. President, if I may, when your supporters last night were chanting, chanting, send her back, why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that? Well, number one, I, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It, it really was a loud, I disagree with it, by the way, but it was quite a chant. And uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this, uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly. But it started up rather rather fast, as you probably noticed. So, so you'll tell your supporters never to well, say I, that? Well, I would say that. I, I was not happy with it. Uh, I disagree with it. Uh, but again, I didn't say I didn't say that. They did. But I disagree but, with but it. But they were echoing what you said in your first week, that they need to go back. Well, I don't think if you examine it, I don't think you'll find that. But I disagree with it. Anybody else? Why did you? Mm, that was quite interesting, because he said he spoke rather quickly. We're going to play for you again exactly what happened at the rally. Press play. And obviously and importantly, Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. 
did y'all see at any point where he talked quickly? No. He waited about 13 seconds. He allowed it to build. Well, things have gotten really, really wild uh, when it comes to outside of that. Again, Republicans are realizing uh, how bad this is. In fact, many of them are stuck in a quandary because some are trying to defend uh, what took place. One of them is Lindsey Graham. Oh, my goodness. I swear uh, he just lost his brain uh, because Lindsey Graham was like, well, you know, if somebody was Somalian who was wearing a, a MAGA hat, I'm quite sure that he wouldn't want them to go. <laughs> Why make that face? No, that's literally, that's literally uh, what they are saying. It, it is laughable yeah. uh, to see uh, what is taking place uh, by them. And again, uh, other Republicans, keep in mind, when the House voted on the resolution condemning his racist tweet, four Republicans and one independent, Justin Amash, who used to be a Republican, voted with the Democrats. So this is not a situation. Republicans are realizing that this is also a problem because they understand that, and this is the key, I need y'all to understand this here. Who are Republicans most concerned about fleeing them? White suburban women. Let me take you back to 1990 and 1991. Newt Gingrich was Speaker of the House. The, the Republicans lost seats. Newt Gingrich got booted out as the Speaker of the House. I'm sorry, not 9192. Actually, I'll go back to 9899. He got booted out because white suburban women felt that Newt Gingrich was too harsh in how he spoke about minorities. What happens? 2000, George W. Bush, actually 99, George W. Bush, then governor of Texas, announces he's running for president. They loved George W. Bush's compassionate conservatism. They thought that was a better contrast than what Newt Gingrich is doing. So when you hear Republicans recognizing when race all of a sudden begins to get higher and higher, Republicans don't mind light racism. <laughs> the problem for Republicans is when you have overt racism. That's when they get a little bit upset. But just to show you how nonsensical uh, this man is, okay, in terms of a, a person like Lindsey Graham. This is what this idiot tweeted earlier today. Something I have learned. Go to my, uh, if you're a Republican nominee for president or president, you will be accused of being a racist. John Lewis compared John McCain's campaign to being like that of George Wallace. It comes with the territory, unfortunately. That is very, very interesting, folks. Uh, come back to me, please. That's very, very interesting because I recall, do y'all recall when, when Senator Lindsey Graham uh, went on CNN and denounced Trump's racism? Anybody <laughs> else recall that? Yes, sir. In case y'all don't, go to it now. <laughs> Trump says. I'm disgusted. Well, I want to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. I don't know who you are, and I don't know why you like this guy. I think what you like about him, he appears to be strong when the rest of us are weak. He's a very successful businessman, and he's going to make everything great. He's going to take all the problems of the world and put them in a box and make your life better. That's what he's selling. Here's what you're buying. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values 
that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. I've been in the Air Force for 33 years. I retired this June. He's the ISIL man of the year, by the way. Just got back from Iraq a week ago this Monday. I know. We interviewed you live from there. You were with mm -hmm. Senator John McCain, and you were going to, into Iraq to get a status report. What, what were they did, saying? Did, did y'all hear that? <laughs> did y'all? Okay, I know, I know. Some people really didn't hear it. Do it again. He's going to take all the problems of the world and put them in a box and make your life better. That's what he's selling. Here's what you're buying. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. I've been in the Air Force for 33 years. I retired this June. That was Lindsey Graham. That's real interesting when he said he does not represent my party. Really? Doesn't represent your party. Go to my iPad. This is from Sunday. <laughs> when Lindsey Graham and Kentucky Senator Rand Paul play golf with Donald Trump. That was Sunday, the day after Donald Trump made his racist tweets about the four sisters, the women of color, in the United States Congress. See, Lindsey somehow thinks we can't pull up video and can't play his comments back. The reality is we can. And what we have to understand is what we're dealing with are people who want to defend racism and bigotry, such as Kevin McCarthy, who is the Republican minority leader in the House. Listen. You said a short time ago that the chants of send her back have no place in this country. So why is it a problem when people chant it, but not when the president tweets it? The president, no. The president clarified very clearly that he did not tell somebody. He talked about the love of this country. No, he said they should. No, he back talked. To he clarified inside his tweet. If you want to read the clarification of his tweet, he talked about the love of this country and said, "If you don't love this country, you can leave." That's a fundamental difference. And that's what the president is talking about. You really think these lawmakers don't love their country? I didn't say they didn't love their country. They but have the all the rights of their country the same way. The president did not name the individual. He said, if you do not like this country, you can leave. But the president talked about building on this economy, making it stronger. There's a clear difference in this. And you watched, I didn't get to see the rally, but I saw a clip. The president didn't join in any chant like that. And I think it's really wrong that you would even challenge this president when you look at the first lady is foreign born as well. So I think it, the question is not a base. Yes. Last night, as we were hearing these chants, the president just stood there. He didn't intervene. The president moved on with his speech. But does, if there is no place for the these chants, take, said, does the president have a responsibility to cut this out? For those who were at the event, and I was not, I didn't see it, but I did talk to somebody there. He said it was a small group off to the side. What the president did, the president did not join in. The president moved on. He's he moved on about a speech about a country going. and the things that are building and right. That's what the president did. Has it become so far that you want to dislike the president so much you're going to accuse him of trying to do something he did not do? From the places that he moved on in the speech, he never joined in in it, and you want to try to hold him accountable for what something in a big audience? Are you going to hold him accountable, too, for whatever any protesters or something else does it? I think that's an unfair position. So he has no responsibility to turn to his supporters and say, that's not fair? What he did in his responsibility was right. He moved on to make them stop in the process. That's exactly what the president did, and the president talked about the greatness of this country. Is that what he did? <laughs> It was a small group off to the right. 
press play. And obviously and importantly, Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. folks off to the right it's very interesting the response I'm gonna show y'all this tweet here and remember I talked the other day about white conservative Christians do you remember when we did the dramatic reading of the 4th of July speech by Frederick Douglass <laughs> and who did he criticize more than anybody else when it came to slavery white conservative Christians. This is a tweet that was sent out today by North Carolina Congressman, who's from Greenville, North Carolina, Reverend Mark Walker. Though it was brief, I struggled with the send her back chant tonight, referencing Representative Omar. Her history, words, and actions reveal her great disdain for both America and Israel. That should be our focus and not phrasing that's painful to our friends in the minority communities. Just for all of you who have never read his bio, he, he was a pastor for 16 years. Reverend Representative Mark Walker. Used to be Reverend Mark Walker. What I'm trying to get you to understand is you are dealing with white Republicans who are desperate to defend white supremacy and they want that they, they think that we're Houdini, they're Houdini David Copperfield. No, these things are not happening. <laughs> Trust me, what you see with your eyes is an illusion. What you hear is an illusion. No, what we are hearing and seeing is reality. Dr. Greg Carr, Cleo Monago, uh, also uh, joining us uh, via Skype. Uh, we have, uh, of course, Erica, Will Erica Savage Wilson, Savage Politics Podcast. Uh, Greg, it, it is it is amazing to watch the contortions that Republicans put themselves <laughs> in trying to explain to us. No, these things just did not happen when it is overt appeals based upon race. Absolutely. Well, their signing pen has over flooded. Donald Trump, who clearly stopped aging at age 14, mostly developmentally, because no, it wasn't, I don't care, whatever, he has been a signing pen for their policies. Kevin McCarthy, uh, we remember, was the majority whip when the Tea Party came into power around mm -hmm. 2010, 2011. He's angling to be Speaker of the House so they can take the House again. The same Kevin McCarthy who they did not want to be Speaker That's of the exactly House. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Roland. Again, I mean, you always walk us through the politics, man. People have such short memories. He, what, what, what McCarthy can't do is alienate that rock-hard base that Donald Trump has figured is anything he needs. All yes. Trump thinks he needs is a little third and a half, and he can steal Wisconsin again, maybe steal Pennsylvania, maybe steal Michigan again, get it close enough to steal and hope that they can suppress the vote enough for him to be president. He's only caring about himself. The only other thing I see is when you play that CNN uh, clip, <laughs> Lindsey Graham was running for president. He right. had not yet gone on the golf course. And when he attacked somebody for saying anything about John McCain, never forget, it was John McCain that loosed Sarah Palin on the world. And that's where these kind of chants started, including physical threats against Obama at mccain Palin rally. And when a racist white woman stood up at a town hall, Erica, and said that Obama was not 
an American, That's wasn't right. born here. That's right. It was right. Senator John McCain who said, no, no, ma'am, that's not right. Yes, he right. was, and he's a good man. The reality is Lindsey Graham has completely sold his soul to the devil. What he has done is simply said, Donald Trump, have your way with me. Do whatever you want. I will support you in every single way. That's what he has done. That's why Jamie Harrison is running against him in South Carolina for the United States Senate. That's why all these Republicans are tucking and running. Even Mitt Romney had the audacity, the unmitigated gall, <laughs> to send a tweet out saying he was happy to see the president disavow the, uh, the, uh, sh uh, the comments last night when he actually stirred them up, Erica. Oh, absolutely. And I agree with Dr. Carr. It is so important to be hysterically sound in this moment because um, shortly after that, votes were taken by the House to condemn Trump's tweets. In an interview that Trump did, he followed up by saying very plainly that what he felt like should have been the headline are the 187 Republicans that stood with him, meaning that this party is nothing more than a reflection of modern-day Trumpism. And which is, from what we saw with that rally that happened in Greenville the other night, this is a modern-day Klan rally, which is held together usually by people who are in some level of enforcement that would usually be chiefs of police and sheriffs. Well, this time, it is the actual president of the United States, who, when we pan out and we look at what you shared with the audience, you not only see people who are of the boomer generation, you're also seeing people who are millennials, folks who are just coming into the world, young people. So I think that all of that is very important as we continue <clears throat> to move forward condemning what is the obviously and plainly stating the truth on every front. Cleo, there are some people who are probably watching saying, um, why are you giving him so much attention? I am laying all of this out because what we are doing is what mainstream media will not do. What we are doing is showing the direct link between comments, between policy, between agenda, between, and not just for re-election in 2020, today, today, people don't understand, today, while, while national media, listen to me, y'all, was focused so much on Donald Trump's comments and booking all these white folks on television to discuss race, today, the United States Senate moved forward on two more federal judges who refused to state that Brown versus Board of Education was properly decided by the Supreme Court in 1954. Uh, uh, what you are seeing here, now here's the deal. This is a tweet right here from Vanita Gupta, Leadership Conference on Civil Rights. Reminder, McConnell has now helped Trump confirm 129 lifetime federal judges while ignoring House pass legislation that would ensure equal pay for equal work, protect immigrants, fix our democracy, reauthorize the Violence Against Women's Act, advance LGBTQ rights, and more. The bottom line, Cleo, is I'm trying to get people to understand these folks are not playing. If po people watching us right now plan to sit on their ass yep. and get caught up in the same BS games in 2016, oh, I don't have the perfect candidate, I'm not going to vote, and let me be real clear, before Cleo uh, says this, all of y'all watching who say, Roland, you're trying to get folks to vote Democrat can kiss my ass. <laughs> there are two parties running. Right. There's Trump and there's Democrats. I don't care how you feel. 
Y'all can run with that Jill Stein BS like in 2016. Mm. Y'all can hide wish there was a third party. Ain't one. Nope. Right. You're going to have two choices, Cleo, and they are hell-bent. If that man gets reelected, mm. by the end of four years, he likely will have appointed upwards of 50% of all appeals court federal judges. And how many more on SCOTUS do you think? That's he's Hollis. Gonna, he's going to get against Cleo, go ahead. I'm sorry. Of that. Only just say it. Whatever you want to talk about. Your address. <laughs> but I think it's important to reiterate something. And this just came out of your list. If you just said, I have to say something else earlier. Hold on one second. We got an issue with your microphone. Um, in fact, so come on, uh, let's fix it. Um, and, and again. Does it work? Uh, hold up. We going, okay. I, I think it was buried. So can you hear him now? Okay, we got you now. You got to bury it. Go ahead. Okay. I do. I do a lot of converse, con conversating with black folks across the country. I'm sure we all do. So I'm not saying yep. I'm the only one yep. that yep. does. I got you. And it's important, Roland, that the Democratic Party pull out at some point some substantial issues that people can grab to. It's not going to be powerful. It's going to be a very weak position to say vote against Trump. And that be the, the, the mantra. The Democratic Party has to have some specific legislation, a specific agenda for people to pay attention to it. Because one of the things that some of us don't realize, those of us who have these strong political perspectives, is that black people in particular have been dealing with discrimination, murder, police brutality, disenfranchisement, regardless of who the president is. Right. So there's a lot of black people who feel like it is. I'm not saying I agree. I got it. Who feel like it don't matter who the president is. Some brothers I've spoken to, some of them were out of college that, you, that you're going to talk about later, who felt like Trump. Now, this is crazy. So I got you, it. You go probably ahead. Go, you're going to get real upset when I, I, I say I, this. I already know it, but go ahead. They feel like Obama didn't have no balls and Trump got balls. Since being a black man is not working for me in this society, I'm going to vote for balls. Even though what they don't realize is. Uh, Trump is actually trying to cut your balls off. Well, and, and the and the, I agree and, with and, that. But, here, but here's a piece. Here's a piece. But see, but see, we got we got to we got to deal with what is going to be broad. Right. No, 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 no. But here's the point. Here's What's going to be broad? No, 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 but here's the point. Here's a, here's the point. Why why I'm why I'm laying this stuff out on a daily basis in this way is that the federal judiciary, yes, sir, is an agenda. That's right. Absolutely. Right. Because because if you are black. Come on, brother. And mm -hmm. you want to file a racial discrimination lawsuit. That's right. And a class action lawsuit. And it gets filed in federal court and they kick it out as a federal judge. And Roland, that kind of information wouldn't need to be broken down instead of telling people to kiss your ass. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm doing both. Because no, no, hold on. Don't no, do both. No, 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 Cleo. Do I have that to, part. No, no, I have to do both. Here's why I have to do both. Because what I'm trying to get people to understand is that people are sitting here going, uh, you saying vote Democrat. No. What I am saying is that you better look at this thing and realize that your so-called interests are not predicated solely on who is in the House or the Senate. Mm -hmm. right. This is a three-leg government. Judicial. Come on, brother. Federal bench, Supreme Court. Legislative. House. Senate. Executive. White House president. Whoever's in the White House then determines the judiciary. That's right. Absolutely. You can have 100 black members of Congress. 
You can have 100 Maxine Waters. You can have, you, matter of fact, there are 435 House members. You can have 435 Maxine Waters. Right. You can have as many as you want. That's right. But if they are in control of the federal courts. Come on. Come laws on. passed mm -hmm. can be declared unconstitutional. Right mm -hmm. now, federal judges, right as we speak, federal judges are determining whether the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional. That's right. Federal judges are determining mm -hmm. the laws that are unconstitutional. Everybody forget the Supreme Court invalidated the campaign finance law. That's right. McCain-Feingold. That's right. The Supreme Court mm -hmm. said that giving was free speech and invalidating the law. But Roland, Roland, what's, what seems to be frustrating you is that people don't understand. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. What's frustrating me? No, 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 no. We're doing, first of all, we're doing our job. Right. No, no, what's no you are. No, no, no. What's frustrating me is that we, people are getting caught up on what's on MSNBC, That's right, right. CNN, Fox, right. the rest of the networks, and not listening to places that are unpacking. Right. And let me go ahead and say this. They are listening to certain black people who declare themselves new black media, who have a singular focus, who does who is not who are not tying the dots right. and right. connecting these things right. and right. I'm trying to get us not to be stuck in well yeah. oh yeah he tough he's strong and so I know he's full of it but I'm voting for strength yeah on, you right. voting for a modern day bull Connor right. who wants yep. to bash your head in Greg who's going to put a yep. judge on the bench let's put yep. it where, let's put as your colleague Joe Madison would say let's put it where the ghost can get it Oh, they both. I, I like this guy. He got some balls. Okay, do you like that judge that just gave you court um, uh, discretionary court supervised uh, probation after you've done your sentence because that drug charge is a federal drug charge because you were smoking weed on federal property? Do you like that judge that got put on the bench that's going to run you from now on because he has or she has the discretion to extend your capture past the time you served your sentence? They have to. Our people have to understand that federal judiciary. Roland, you have to keep making that point over and over again. If nothing else, but if but, nothing but, don't, else, but but I'm still saying, and I agree with. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know I know that what you're saying is correct. I'm clear about that. No, but so how do we? But what I'm saying is that there's a there's people who are watching the the, the hegemony, the macro. Let me get that. And who are influenced no, no, by the no. macro? They're watching the soap opera. They don't know about no hegemony. They right. well, <laughs> I'm saying that to you. You know watching, what I mean by that? WWF, which is called CNN and MSNBC. Right. But 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 so how do we move them to think? Well, first of all, we move them to think by what you did, in my opinion, when you broke down the the bare facts yes. and all the elements of two, two equals four, yes. and what and what has a, a outcome that we want to avoid is what people need to hear. People also need to hear mm. what you said earlier mm. about the fact that the mainstream press is not covering it. No. Even though the mainstream, see the mainstream press, let me finish this, please. I got it. The mainstream press, the mainstream press is being very seductive. They're acting like they care about what, what what's the man, the president's name? Trump. Trump. No, Trump. They, 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 they care they, about the entertainment. They're acting right, like they right. care about right. the Trump is racist. And, oh my God. Now CNN is racist as hell. And you know that they're, they're institutionally, infrastructurally racist. But acting like now, oh my God, he's he's so racist, and they're playing us and getting our attention off of people like yourself in terms of comparison. And and and, and so I, I don't want us to get mad at black people for no, being. No, 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 Wait, no, 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 no,
in superficial, yeah. who are not it paying attention, and the folks who are deliberately, let me be real clear, because see, we got to understand, mm. there are black folks who are deliberately misleading black people. That's true. See, here's yeah. my deal. If you want to come at me, come at me on the facts. Come at me on what okay. I say. Who's mis who's deliberately misleading? I'm not disagreeing. I'm asking the question. People, who people who, who is the, who is he deliberately say, misleading people, black people? people, 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 people that the Democrats that is. and the Republicans are the same. For example, there's a radical. I won't say radical. I hate to use that word, but no. there are black people who say that. Now, in mm -hmm. a minute, we're going to hear from Miss Carr. We're going to hear from Eric Garner's mother. Right. The fact that the president appoints the attorney general, this toady wow. William Barr. Mm -hmm. Remember that Eric Holder was like, we got to charge this guy, and there was a real fight going on in the Department right. of Justice. The, the civil rights. Division Divisions told Barr, man, you got to do this. The New Yorkers were like, no, nah, I don't know if we can get a conviction. Barr made the choice not to charge uh, Pantaleo. Mm -hmm. That is, that's where our people need to and understand. The and, the and, and let me be real clear. And the reason I say kiss my ass is because I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. Mm. See, the problem... Well, see, say that. No, no, no. I, I'm going to say both. See, I'm not, see, not going... No, I'm going to say that because some... Years ago on Nightline, <laughs> years ago on Nightline, I was watching Nightline, and I know Gwen Carr, I'm coming to you literally in two minutes. Years ago on Nightline, Ice-T and Greg and Dr. Alan Poussaint were on Nightline, and Dr. Oh, Ted Koppel was asking them, asking Ice-T about cussing in, in albums, and Ice-T said, Ted, you got to understand, black folks cuss for emphasis. He said, <laughs> black people would say, Johnny, put down that knife. And some, somebody white would say, Johnny, put down that knife. And somebody white, black would say, Johnny, put down that goddamn knife. <laughs> so then Ted Koppel said, Context oh, wait, wait. Ted Koppel Context said, Ted Koppel said, right. well, Dr. Alan Poussaint, um, <laughs> uh, right, 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 right. you said, uh, what are your thoughts about what Ice-T just said? And Dr. Alan Poussaint, Harvard, all them degrees, right, right. he went, well, Ted, Ice-T got a point. <laughs> my point is, so my point is, my point is, sometimes on, you got to go ahead and just cut through the nonsense because here's a piece. What I am not going to do, and anybody, you can try all you want to to say, I haven't held Democrats accountable. We know you on crack. I'm talking about, <laughs> we, all, we know you on crack. Emphasis. Emphasis. I'm emphasizing Emphasis. crack. Right. crack. <laughs> and if you were white, you on meth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm saying that because I am not saying don't hold them accountable, right. don't demand the agenda. Right. But what I am saying is that part of the agenda is the federal bench. Yes, sir. Part of the agenda is who are going to be the judges. You talking to the cat who was down in Harris County, mm. who traveled with the 18 black women mm. who are running for judicial positions in Harris County. I hit with them 15 different locations on the weekend before election because I understand the impact of judges. Yes. And so people are sitting here going, oh, like, for instance, if you support reparations. Yes, sir. Don't you know that if that law got passed, <laughs> it's going to get challenged in court? That's right. Who you think gonna rule on a reparations bill? That's right. The federal right. bench. That's right. And so, for the people who say that don't matter, I'm like, that's one third of the federal government, the federal bench. There is no single branch of government, not the president, not the Congress, that has a greater impact that's right. on every single law that's been passed and who interprets the existing law. And why is this important? I need everybody listening. Gwen Carr, I'm coming to you in 30 seconds. The reason why conservatives are so hell-bent on keeping the Senate 
Yes. And the White House? Yes. Mm. Is because they are still, to this day, right. angry about Brown versus Board of Education 1 and 2. That's right. They are angry right. about the fact that it was the federal bench That's right. that declared uh, uh, segregated, uh, segregation to be unconstitutional. That's right. They are upset that it was the Fifth Court of Appeals. Come on, brother. In, down south. Yes, sir. That created the injunction. That's right. That created the that created law. Come on, brother. That implemented that. Judge They Cope. are angry That's right. that those white conservative judges down south, the Fifth Circuit, yes, sir. actually <laughs> interpreted Brown versus Board. They are angry that it was the federal courts. Every time they went to in South Carolina and Virginia and Louisiana, y'all, y'all don't understand. Mm. They would vote in the legislature That's right. to deny black folks to go to school. That's right. The civil rights folks would go to court That's right. the same afternoon <laughs> to get an injunction against the law they just passed in the morning, and the judge would grant it that afternoon. That's right. The yeah. next day, they would go back to the legislature, pass another law. Come on. And then the civil rights folks will go right back to the courts, get another injunction to stop that particular law. That's right. What I'm trying to unpack for you is that the Federalist Society, the Heritage Foundation, oh, every, all of the conservative foundations were all born out of the 1964 decision by Barry Goldwater right. to oppose yeah. the Civil Rights Act. That's right. They yes, oppose the Civil Rights Act. That's right. They oppose the Fair Housing Act. That's right. And they yeah. decided. You know what? It don't matter who the president is. Right. But we understand if we control the courts yes, and the rich conservatives put into play a 40-year plan That's right. to yes, take control of the federal bench. That's right. After Carter lost, right. Reagan came in. That's right. they, yep. they said, we're going to just put them all on the bench. Yep. That was the focus for every single Republican president. Well, can I ask you a quick question? Real quick, because I'm going to bring why you think, Why do you think Trump won? Trump won. He stole so, the his election. No, no beyond. Trump I'm talking about the people. No, That's the mechanic answer. I'm talking how, about here's the populace. Here's how Trump won. First and foremost, from I, a populist if perspective. I pull a map up of the United States and you see the sea of red in the southern part of the country, in the midwest part of the country, you have those areas dominated by conservative talk radio. So for eight years, this is all you heard from Fox News and conservative talk radio. Weak, 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 weak. Obama's weak. America's weak. Nobody respects America. Nobody. That, that Every year, it was beaten yeah. into their brains. They, they then said, shit, America's weak. So what happens? Who comes along? Tough. I'm a, you're going to respect us. You're going to treat us right. I'm getting our money. And they're like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. He the man. Okay, yeah, I, I, I know he I know he sexually assaults women, but I don't care. So he the man. And so, just like in the Bible, mm. when the people said we want a king. Oh, wow. That's and God, oh, God. And God said, y'all don't need a king. You got oh. me. The people said, no, 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 God, we want a king. God yeah. said, okay, I'm going to give y'all Saul. And yeah. Saul was the most handsome and the tallest out of all of Jesse's children. But the people didn't realize his ass was evil. <laughs> and then after they got saw, they're like, no, God, can you say it? God, like, no, y'all wanted a king. Well, let me just America say this. America right now wanted a king. Well, let me just say this. And then white folks got a king. Uh, Trump is not tall and handsome. Well, I know uh, that. Uh, um, so but one thing, that I remember on your show when we was on TV One, and I kept saying Trump going to win. 30 seconds. Trump going to win because Gwen is going to win. Okay, what, what Trump did and what we need to do, too, Trump affirmed 
his, his, when they needed affirmation after Obama, because they were scared by a black, black person looking more relevant and more powerful than what they were told he was supposed to be, and the white supremacy myth was being dismantled and they needed it replenished. He was affirming them. Yes. They needed to be affirmed. Yes. And they said, we affirm. Yes. But they need to be affirmed, too. Okay, we got to be affirmed, too. And that's what I'm and, trying to do. But what I'm saying is this here. We're going to have the conversation. We, no, but, but, no, but, no, but we also, first of all, let me just say, we are far more smarter and far more uh, clear than those so, simple Simons. Because, you know, simple Simons, literally. You are. No, Cleo. No, Cleo. Cleo. The, right? the Pew the Pew. No, they, they are. They are. The, the, the Pew study we just well, did broke it down. The more education white people got, the more they think like black Bama people. Is here. Tell you, you right when, when you got, when you well, got, when you got well, white farmers, Cleo, when you got white farmers in Iowa <laughs> and Wisconsin <laughs> losing their farms because of his tariffs, That's right. and they still send a vote for him, yep. they simple Simons. Simple Simons. Hey, y'all, we told y'all about, of course, Eric Garner. Yesterday, fifth anniversary of his uh, death, uh, the Department of Justice chose not to file civil rights charges. Uh, there was a rally yesterday uh, in New York. Uh, uh, of course, Gwen Carr, the mother of uh, Eric Garner, uh, she was attending. That's why she didn't join us yesterday. She joins us right now. Uh, Gwen, first of all, uh, thank you for holding on. I, I know you were patient, uh, but we had to unpack all of that stuff. Um, this this is the end of the road, if you will. We're just simply waiting for the administrative judge to decide whether or not this office is going to lose his job. Um, what's next for you and your family when it comes to seeking justice? Well, we're going to still be out there. It doesn't matter uh, because the, the Justice Department, they talk about a statute of limitations uh, ran out in five years. But actually, there is no statute of limitations for death. That's what I, for, uh, I'm sorry, for murder. And, um, and it doesn't end with this administration we won't have this administration forever and we can always go to another administration and you know ask for it to be looked at it could be revisited this is i mean obviously when that decision came down first of all were you expecting them to do nothing or were you hopeful they were actually going to listen to the department the civil rights division well with this administration i wasn't surprised i was just disappointed because we still live in a country called America, and there should be justice where justice is due. And, you know, we didn't get any accountability from the police officer. And not only uh, Pantaleo, there was others who should have been fired also. But they did nothing but turn their heads. And the only ones that went to jail was was Ramsey Otto, the one who took the video, the only person who's in jail. Um, again, New York has dragged their feet. They have not moved on this officer. Finally, we're waiting to hear from this judge. And I think we got to call out the city, the city leadership in New York. The fact that this guy has been on the job, getting raises, getting more than six-figure salary for five years after, your, yes. after he killed your son. Yes, a raise every year, padding the payroll, padding the pension, because he wasn't even vested when he murdered my son. But now he's vested, he's making overtime. See, they're preparing him so if he does lose his job, he's still set for life. Gwen Carr, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, we're going to keep uh, standing with you and demanding okay. justice. Okay. Uh, Thank so, you. Gwen, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I want to go back to, um, I, I, of course, we talked about the Pew story. We talked about, of course, what took place there. Erica, um, 
what I really want everybody watching to understand is that what we are dealing with right now, this is not about just 2020. This is literally, this is literally about the next two generations. Because if you're born right now, you'll be 24 by 2043 when America becomes a nation majority of people of color. But if he's appointing federal judges who are 35, they're going to be on the federal bench for the second generation. That means that literally the decisions being made today will have an impact on the next two generations of America's next two generations of black people. Absolutely. And so the conversation has to really kind of evolve from this securing the bag to really something that Angela Rye and I've heard other people talking about, which is securing the legacy, which is why I'm glad that you've really taken the time to really lay out how just um, all of these actions do point back to federal structures that have been essential for not only black folks, but folks of color and then people who have experienced civil rights um, um, several um, civil rights abuses. So, um, listen, to hear Gwen Carr's voice, a mother who not only had to bury her son, but her granddaughter as well in this pursuit for justice should remind everyone but that the Civil Rights um, Act, like all of these laws, do not continue to be effective with all of our participation. So it is that local, state, and federal combination that all of us have to be aware of when we're looking at participating in elections that may be happening in the summer months or not necessarily happening in a general election year. It's very important to understand who your DA is. It's very important to understand how something that we don't connect immediately as being um, an issue that we're having in our family does impact us overall broadly as black and brown folks and then as Americans too. So I think that um, with folks like Bill DeBazio and Peter Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg that are running in the race, this is another lens for us to look at um, to look at leadership. If these people are supposed to be leading your communities, then the actions that they have been called on, that they have oversight on, which is the mayor we've discussed before, fire, transportation, housing, and education, to make sure that those things are right in the house of your city. But then if not, that that leadership can't be carried forward to fight these real um, war battles that we're seeing today. And, and, and Greg, this is something that really is just is, is so vital. I, I, it's amazing to me. I was I was dealing with somebody the other day who was trashing NAACP saying, I don't see nothing they ain't doing anything. And then I literally had uh, a very prominent black media person um, who said publicly, uh, up until this year, we had never seen a black agenda. And I had to hit this cat. I said, I said, I said, Doc, you can't go on TV saying nonsense. No. I said, mm -hmm. I can take you back pre-Civil War <laughs> and go after Civil War during Reconstruction. I said, Robert Abbott printed. Come on, brother. In the Chicago Defender. Come on. Every week. Yes, sir. The black agenda. Yes, sir. I said, you can go modern day. I said, the NAACP has its report card, what its priorities are. Yes. I said, the National Urban League has it. I said, numerous civil rights organizations have them. I said, Deltas have Delta Days on Capitol Hill. I said, now. Even Jack and Jill. Right. The teenagers. Come on, brother. I said, come on. Now, you might say it's not getting enough attention. Right. I said, but 
isn't your job to put him on the air? I said, but it's wrong of us to say that, well, there is none. No one is doing it. And that, that to me is dangerous because there are black folks who are putting in the work. That's right. Every single day That's right. who get no credit. That's right. That's right. And actually there have been gains and successes. Do we want more? Yes. I said, but we can't act like it don't exist. Rather than almost 30 years of classroom teaching, I can say that that is probably the single most frustrating part of, of my life is when we have those of us who are in the public eye have a platform and open their mouth and, and speak with such ignorance that they should be, be quiet because there is so much work that is done. I mean, we look at this Crown Act that just got passed. My good friend, Andrew Batwe Osborne, and, and the sisters who got the Crown Act passed. The Natural Hair Act in California, now in New York. This legislation, and you, and you tweeted about black that. Black people. Black women. Black. Holly, Holly Mitchell in come California. On, come on, brother. Black uh, woman, who we had on this show. Exactly. I know how. So, so I mean, to, to your point, this is work that is going on every day. Derek Johnston just released another critique, another analysis, another report. So if somebody puts a microphone in your face and you're on a platform and you haven't come to the black media, please do the race a favor. Be quiet. I, I just want, mm -hmm. and, and again, I, Cleo, again I'm, a firm believe, I'm a firm believer that part of the issue here is when you don't know, you don't know. Yes. Part of the problem is that when you have eight black network, black, we have eight black networks, and out of 1,300 plus hours every single week, there's not a single hour of an actual news show. That to me is a problem. But I'll give you an example. We were gonna do this story, uh, I'm trying to go to, so today, today, Congress passed the minimum wage that's law, right. 15 right. bucks an hour. That's right. Just so y'all know, in case nobody tell y'all, cause everybody else gonna do the story. <laughs> a black man, right. Congressman Bobby Scott. Yes, sir. That was his yes. bill. Yes, sir. Yep. So when somebody say black caucus don't do nothing, that bill. Right. Which directly impacts us. That's right. If it goes to the Senate, bottom line is it got passed. Right. Cleo was needed, and this to me is what's important. Was needed or not a bunch of us saying ain't nothing happened? Was needed are soldiers in the battle. We got generals and colonels and sergeants. Mm. Problem is we ain't got enough soldiers. Mm. Roland, I'm not saying this to BS you or blow smoke or whatever the cliche is. But your show, and I mean this as profoundly as I could, I'm almost choking up saying it. This platform is one of the most important platforms in the black landscape. That's right. Mm -hmm. The And you've said it before, the, the other media is not covering what you cover. They're not going to put together the mosaic of facts that that is contrary to what people think is true because white folks said it or light folks said it. <laughs> And what you're doing here is unique in the universe. We're going to fuss later. I, I told him I have a meeting with you about some stuff. But what you broke down in terms of the, the, the federal infrastructure and the, and the relevance of it, a lot of people don't know. I mean, I'm talking to these mm -hmm. people. They don't have a clue. No. And it's not because they're not dumb. Excuse me. It's not because they're dumb. No, of course not. The, the brilliance is off the chain. Don't know. But you can be a PhD in, in English, but if somebody try to make you speak Japanese, you're going to lose. Right. You don't know the language. Right. So we got to talk about, we got to start talking about the language of affirmation and critical analysis. So black people, and not kiss my ass That's not going to be, that's not helpful because you got people who already feel 
dissed by the society mm. and dismissed by the society mm. and made into irrelevant by the society who are blinded and distracted by the myth of their irrelevance that gets in the way of them getting the clarity they need, even when somebody's right in their face giving it to them. But when you so have, simultaneously, but, but remember, the message remember, has to be the affirmation. But remember, but remember, mm -hmm. when you, but here's the other piece, and this is where the kiss my ass come in. When you <laughs> have, no, 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 I'm yeah. trying to tell you. Because yeah. look, look, this ain't my first black media experience. I know it's not. When you have other black people who purposely want to silence black voices. Absolutely. Because of the game. My goodness. That's the real deal. What black people have better understand, and all you got to do, remember, Skip Gates just broke it down in uh, that, uh, that Reconstruction documentary, where, and we talked about it on the show. It was a black man, a single black man who was a delegate at their conference in Mississippi uh, in the late 1800s, where they voted to deny voting rights to black folks. He had financial interest. They saw him as the solo Negro. And he said, I agree with y'all, black folks shouldn't have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying to y'all is, if you a hater who thinks you're going to stop me from talking, you lost your mind. <laughs> y'all can kiss my ass. <laughs> and I'm going to say that over and over and over again because... Not over and over. No, I'm going to over... Oh, fine. <laughs> Don't kiss my ass. Go to hell. How's that? <laughs> and I'm going to say that because... Who are you telling go to hell? No, 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 no. The haters who listen, see, when you hit dog will holler, you're going to see them hollering in about two hours. Dog will the point is this here. The point is this here. They don't truly want unapologetic blackness. Mm -hmm. They want to play games with black people. And then they want to present black people with this narrow space of where we are and what we should be doing. And what I'm arguing is that you better look at this thing like a chessboard. You better understand exactly what's going on. And so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and play this because I know somebody out there is really trying to understand, Roland, I don't really what you're trying to uh, um, get us to understand. Uh, Y'all, I watch movies. Uh, I read books. And there's always a lesson you can learn from something. And I believe, because remember I played the other day? Did you see the clip we played the other day? From the movie uh, The Good Shepherd. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm up. Damon is right. right the, the Matt Damon clip, uh, and when he was asked the question uh, about um, uh, about uh, whose country is this, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a great clip because it fully explains America. Hmm. Okay, God, I got you guys. I got to pull it up first. So they tell me my past frozen. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna pull this up. I'm gonna try to find it, but it's important because it was a great scene because it was like no. Uh, who do we got? He's like, white, white people, we got America. It was, I mean, it, was a, it was a 29 second clip. It was a brilliant clip. And there's something. Um, but when people say, I'm not really understanding what you're trying to describe, this whole piece here, mm -hmm. um, let me pull it up. This is the scene, y'all. It's going to come up. Uh, turn audio down. It's not up yet. Turn audio down. Kill audio. Okay, so I'm going to pull it in a second. Because how we got to see this thing? We have to study the board. Mm -hmm. We can't look at one piece. We got to study the board. We got to see that when these Republicans are doing something in North Carolina, Republicans in Florida are watching. That's right. And the Republicans of Texas are watching. That's right. Well, they met at Alec. They don't even know what Alec is. The power of Alec That's right. was about 
get it over oh, here. That's you long. should tell them because maybe somebody watching who, who doesn't know what Alec is. Alec, of course, was supposed to be a business or a business group. Come on, brother. Major corporations were funding Alec. Legislative Exchange Council. Yes. Then they said, well, hold on, we can use these corporate dollars to pass <laughs> our really our race-based policies. Staying your ground came out of Alec. Yes, sir. Voter suppression came out of Alec. Well, they, it was so bad, y'all, where literally there's a far legislature. He actually copy and pasted the email from the Alec person, put it right in the bill, hit print, and they went, dog, you left the top of the email in. <laughs> we know who sent you the bill. It was the actual language. And so what they're doing is, and see, I told y'all a decade ago, see, see, the other people who were talking on CNN weren't, they weren't seeing it. I told y'all after Obama law in 2010, when Republicans took over legislatures, what was going to happen. The shift about abortion was going to shift from the Capitol to the states. Yep. Yes. The shift over the Civil Rights Act and voting rights was going to shift from the Capitol to the states. They understand gerrymandering cases all about state control. The Constitution enumerates two rights. If it ain't in the Constitution, then it's a state law. Tenth Amendment. Y'all, that's that's basic-ass civics. Come on, brother. So what you don't understand is we keep clamoring for people to have something happen in Congress. No, 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 no. States' rights. Yes, sir. The most fundamental thing about the U.S. Constitution was states' rights. Slavery was about states' rights. Civil War, states' rights in slavery. Whatever the federal government does not stipulate in the Constitution, the states completely control it. You can holler all you want to about voting. Those are states' rights, which is why if you're in Ohio, mm. you got to get off your ass mm. and support Alicia Reese, who is trying to get a ballot initiative in Ohio to make the right to vote the law in Ohio. Yes. Every two to four years, we got to go to court. We suing people. We're talking about closing of uh, hours of voting locations. But if you make the right to vote a state law, they can't mess with it because it's the law. That's right. That's the chessboard. That's right. So here's the scene right here that I'm trying to explain to y'all. Press play. Mages four moves from the position in front of you. Don't move until you figure it out in your hand. Don't look to me for a hand. I can't do it without moving the pieces. Yes, you can. Clear the lines of men in your head, one at a time, and the king I'll be left standing alone, like a guy on a street corner. Here, I'll make it easier for you. audio he had to see the moves without the pieces too many of us are focused on the pieces what's ironic about this Roland you know dr. Welsing used to talk about the chessboard as a metaphor all the time yes she did and there's a 14 year old kid out of Baltimore who just became a national champ talk of, about it on the show but yeah. I bet you but I shouldn't say I bet you I don't know the young man but it's highly likely he might not even know who he is 
though he can play the hell out of some chess. But he might not even have any political literacy or self-conceptual literacy as a person of African descent, historically and contemporarily in the society, but he can play the hell out of some, out of some chess. we got to be able to synthesize it all to the extent that we can so people can actually have the capacity to take the information in because the presentation has been appealing enough for them to say, I get it. Well, and to your point, uh, Cleo, um, we have to reinforce, positively reinforce our people. Yes. But and as you're saying, Roland, you know, a lot of this is because our people don't have the information or they haven't been guided to the platforms like this. I mean, the news just came between yesterday and today that Rich Paul and his clutch group is joining up with one of the major talent agencies, but he's retaining control because these young brothers understand they are playing chess. I mean, they're basically turning the NBA into a pickup game of between millionaires when you can force trades, this kind of thing. But we don't become aware of the fact that they're thinking that way. I think about all That's the right. brothers and sisters who have been through Roland Martin Unfiltered just since the show has been on. I mean, we start talking about they're thinking that way, but what this platform does is exposed to the, our people that we are thinking that way so we can begin Absolutely. to connect those dots. Absolutely. There's nothing more important. I mean, if we are not careful, as you said, if Trump wins re-election, and he has now thrown, his political strategy is, I'm going to use my Klan base yep. and try to steal this election. Yep. That's why Republicans, but if he wins re-election, John Paul Stevens just died day before yesterday, 99 years old. He was appointed by a Republican, Ford, on the Supreme Court. But he was appointed at a time when the Republicans weren't yet the full party of white supremacy. He lived to see the most important presidential election decision be made by the Supreme Court. He wrote the dissent in Bush versus Gore. He said, you know, this is where this thing is going. He went from a, from a conservative to a liberal on a bench because the Republicans have said, we are going to be the home of white supremacy. And if, But if he wins re-election, this country is not guaranteed to continue as a country because they are going to make some decisions. They're making them now that might lead to the fracturing of this state beyond repair. Absolutely. You're basically calling for a hit on Ilan Omar. That's basically what they're doing at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. I mean, you know, so this, this, and he said, "I'm going to call uh, Ocasio Cortez Cortez." This is this is patriarchy. This is white supremacy. But anyway, I mean, the point is, this platform will, will help us. Erica, I need us to see the board without the pieces. Mm. Okay, she's not there? Okay, I thought Erica was there. Uh, we got to see the board without the pieces. And we have to understand, folks, what is going on here. I am not talking about the next two years. No. I'm telling you, I call this in 2009. We are living in the age of white minority resistance. That's right. They believe based upon the future, that they are the minority. Everything that they're doing is based upon we're the minority. That's right. Every single thing is about we're the minority. I said the other day, and this is, again, chess. Why do they hate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Break this down, brother. And Rashida Tlaib. Yes, sir. And Ayanna Presley and Ilhan Omar. Mm. Why do they hate a Latina, Come on. <laughs> a Muslim woman, That's right. a black woman, mm. and a Muslim immigrant? Mm. Because that mm -hmm. is the future of America. That's right, brother. And what they don't like is the view. See, I, <laughs> I need y'all to go deeper. Come on, brother. When Trump talks about their view, how they see America, it's because we are not white. 
we don't see America the way they do. That's right. They see America as apple pie and love and the flag and the national anthem. And we're the greatest, the baddest. God loves us more than anybody else. That's how they see us. But we have experienced mm. the real America. They celebrate the America that's on paper. Not the America in reality. Yes, sir. You should leave. Hmm. I'm going to find the clip. We're going to play it tomorrow. Harry Belafonte answered the question, and I asked him, you love the French Riviera? Why do you stay here? <laughs> Y'all, to the people in the control room, go to my Harry Belafonte interview, the second one we did when I talked to him about Colin Kaepernick, have it for tomorrow's show. I'm going to break down for y'all why we, why we don't leave. It is because... Black people have actually said, we're going to make America be a nation is on paper. MLK said it. Other folks have said it. But what they are fearful of, y'all, is that we view the America differently than they do, which means the norms and the values and the customs and all these things are now going to change. <laughs> Don't take down Confederate statues. Come on. Why? Those are celebration of white symbols, people who lost. Hmm? Traitors. Because they don't, and so what's the concern? Because they don't want us actually having power to actually take the symbols down. That's right. Because if we gain power and take the symbols down, then we are now redefining what America is. What, why is that important, us redefining what America is? Because if we redefine what America is, then we are now defining America in, through our eyes as opposed to how America has been defined and through their eyes since 1776. See, that's what's really going on here. And so why did they oppose diversity in corporate America? because they needed it to be defined a certain way. Yesterday, we talked about this corporate standard of how, you, how you, your hair should look and how you should dress. Now, I called it a white standard. I got pushed back from some black folks on my panel. <laughs> Pam, but that's a white standard. It's a white standard. Okay, it was a white standard at IBM. You must have a blue, dra a, 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 uh, a blue suit, a red tie, a white or light blue shirt, and a certain pair of pants. Can't have flashy shoes. White standard. Why do you think all of a sudden, y'all, they got problems that we have now redefined corporate culture? Remember when they now instituted Dress Down Friday? Hmm. Now all of a sudden, our fashion, our looks, our flair right. has now infiltrated their world. That's right. Rolling. I, I'm not done yet. I'm sorry. I'm trying to walk through this because I need y'all to understand what the... This is, this is seeing the board without the pieces. Mm. All you got to do is go back and read the writings of Patrick Buchanan for the last 25 years. Everything that I am saying is exactly what Patrick Buchanan wrote. Mm -hmm. Patrick Buchanan was speaking for those white folks. And he was like, Lord, they going to change our nation. Listen, change our nation. Mm -hmm. Trump. If you object, you can leave. What he is saying is, this is our yep. nation. Our country. Not our country. yours, That's right. but our nation. Yeah. Everything they are breaking down is, this is ours. Right. Not Native American, nope. not, not, and not the people of color who are immigrant, but this is ours. But see, a lot of us are getting caught up on and I see y'all little posting on YouTube. <laughs>
My bank account is much better under Trump than it was under Obama. Ridiculous. Thank Obama because, frankly, they fixed the economy. They, he handed him a great economy. What I'm trying to get y'all to see is a much deeper understanding. And again, maybe sometimes, you know, movies can get to y'all and you can explain it a lot different. To understand Trump's tweets and the rally last night and the Republican Party proposals and everything, this 29-second clip from the movie The Good Shepherd, the basis of the movie was white men from Yale and Harvard who created the CIA, and the whole point was to control the world. If you go watch the movie directed by Robert De Niro, hmm. you will see that in the movie they also talked about how to control nations where people of color were becoming, un becoming in power. To understand this, y'all, this 29-second clip will completely explain today's Republican Party and why I need you to understand where we are and where we are going. We Italians, we got our families and we got the church. The Irish, they have the homeland. The Jews, their tradition. Even the niggas, they got their music. What about you people, Mr. Carlson? What do you have? The United States of America. The rest of you are just visiting. The rest of you are just visiting. Cleo, that's what they mean when they say you can leave. Yeah, and even though Trump has raised that perspective to the heights, I've heard it before, many, a long time ago. If I you, mean, well, I've your, heard, and your ancestors have heard it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's not a new um, perspective. I've heard it before. But Greg, final it, comment. It was interesting, looking at Ilhan Omar today, who tried to introduce some legislation on boycott, divestment, and sanctions, looking at the fact that those four and Barbara Lee and some others voted against the military expansion bill or said you can't just give a blank check to, these, uh, to the federal government and to go down here on the border. You need to put some sanctions on them. It's very interesting at this moment, Roland. I think what we see with, with, the, with, the, with the squad, so to speak, is... A line has finally been crossed. They, we too can count. We know the demographics are coming. And they're not going to wait and be polite anymore. Of course. The question is now going to become whether we're going to have the courage to act on that. Matt Damon's world of the 1950s and 60s, that world is never coming back. But it's and not so just... Now, they want... But they it's not desperately just, want. That's but right. it's not just That's courage, exactly right. it's clarity. Right. Uh, right. We, we need the clarity. Cause I watched your show yesterday, and, I, and, I, and it was interesting when you were uh, arguing with... The sister, the attorney, and, Monique the, and, Scott. and the other attorney, and they were like, it ain't really white. But guess what? <laughs> the world that they want to live in ain't coming back either, brother. Right, but the point I'm trying to make is that these people have intellectual capacity. Yeah. And they still and they can break down some black things. They have, no their, they, they have their black moments. Good people. But when Roland said, wait a minute, the foundation of your value system in this regard is white. No, I think they, no. They just, they just no, I think no, it, no, it's not. You gotta, you gotta, and it was, you and it is. You can't look backward. You got to look forward. And I guess what I'm saying is that's a smart play. That was a smart play for our immediate ancestors, Cleo. But looking forward, we are now, like we talk about Casual Friday. It's very interesting. LeBron James said this about Rich Paul. He said, you know, you know why they don't like him? Because he doesn't wear a suit every day and he's black. And there's nothing you can do about him now. And I'm going to end the show this way. Uh, I am on the Twitter feed of Tom Hauser. And, wow. folks, I'm going to end the show this way. I think it's perfect. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, this was the reception she got when she got off of the plane today.
in Minnesota. So according to Tom Hauser, he posted this. This was her actually speaking to the folks there. We have some other stuff we want to get to, but uh, look, uh, we allowed uh, that uh, to go on. I'm not went way over time, but I certainly appreciate uh, everybody for staying. Uh, Erica, thank you very much for joining us. She had to go, but thank you so very much. Uh, I want to thank all of you. But and so I got I, I got to say this and again, y'all hear me talk about this on the show. Um, and uh, and I had somebody who came to me. And he said, "Man." I'm surprised people have not responded the way I thought. Had a friend of mine, he felt, he thought, he said, he asked me how many folks we have donated to the show. And he said, oh, I would have, I would have thought you would have had 50,000 by now. I said, no, we've had about 3,000. And I said, our goal was to have 20,000 in our first year to join our Bring the Funk fan club, donating about 50 bucks each uh, to join our fan club. And I said, well, we appreciate everybody who's, who's given. The only way this can continue to be independent is if it is self-funded. And self-funded doesn't just mean coming out of my pocket. I mean, that's been self-funded to the tune of about a quarter of a million dollars. But it also means that in order, for, in order for us to continue, it has to happen. I told you last week the Chicago Defender printed their last issue. The reason the Chicago Defender was powerful was because black folks bought the paper. Let me repeat that. Black folks in 1905, when Robert Abbott founded the paper at the kitchen table of his landlady, he did not publish it for free. Black folks bought it. When it connected with Pullman carporters and then had distributed all across the South, it was sold all across. Why does that matter? Because that's what funded Ethel Payne. That's what funded Chuck Stone. That's what funded Louis Martin. The funding of the Chicago Defender is what allowed John Sinstack to send Louis Martin to Detroit to open and launch the Michigan Chronicle. The first black newspaper, Freedom's Journal, March of 1827, said in his lead editorial, you've heard me say it, we wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. I'll add an addendum, and we got to pay for it. We need you to support this show. Right now, I've got 400. Here's the deal. I got 429 people right now who are watching us on Facebook. Right now on YouTube, there are 1,670 folks who are watching us on YouTube. If I pull up uh, Periscope right now, uh, and I'll pull up, uh, I just want to give a sense of what I'm talking about. We probably have. More than 100 folks who are watching us on Periscope, watching us on Periscope right now. Uh, and so what that means is that literally in excess of 2,000 people are watching. 
if half of those people actually join our Bring the Funk fan club, then we would we would actually increase our number uh, uh, twofold. We have to have your support. Look, we want to be able to broadcast and understand what I'm talking about, y'all. Monday, Sunday, the NAACP convention begins in Detroit. Mm. We'll be there live streaming the events. When they had a presidential forum there, I don't know what CNN is going to be doing. I don't know what MSNBC is going to be doing or Fox News is going to be doing. Roller Martin Unfiltered will be there streaming the entire forum. Not cutting in with opinion. and all. No, you're going to hear from every single candidate. April Ryan's going to be moderating. We're going to be there. We're going to be at the National Urban League Convention. This matters having our platforms to speak to our issues and having black people who can actually speak to our issues as well. And I'll go ahead and ask it, and I know she's not expecting me to, but uh, here's the deal. This is real. You, we started the show off talking about uh, the Pew uh, study. How many of y'all saw that at the beginning of the show? You heard us talking about it, Dr. Kiana Cox. How many networks have called you? Yes. You let the study, right? No, I wasn't You went on leader, but the three of us were on the lead. How many other networks have you been on? None. She said none. Wow. How many, how many African-Americans were part leading this study? I was the only one on this study. Okay. Wow. Dr. Kiana Cox. Wow. The I'm, I'm going to repeat this, y'all. Mm. Dr. Kiana Cox, the only African-American in the leadership on the study on the issue of Trump and race, Me. with three people who are leading it, this, was the this is the only platform you've been on? Radio as well? This is the only platform you heard this smart sister mm. breaking down the Pew study. You tell me why this doesn't matter. Go to RollerMarkOnTheFilter.com to join our Bring the Funk fan club. We certainly support a lot love for any of you uh, to join us. Look forward to having our conversation tomorrow. Cleo, Greg, thanks a bunch. Uh, Doc, thanks a bunch. Erica, thanks a bunch as well. Folks, I got to go. Holla! BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary... What's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.